the D-Max Sports ex- Podcast Experience Extravaganza of the World with special guest William Morrison and Camden Brimmer. That was absolutely wonderful, Cam. Uh, yeah, so a little, you know, a little twist to my normal intro, but let's go with it. So today we're going to be talking about um, OSU football versus Notre Dame, uh, how that went, uh, different aspects of the game. And then we're going to be talking about uh, the recent Cavs blockbuster trade uh, where they traded for Donovan Mitchell. Uh, so the first thing we're going to start off with is the Ohio State versus Notre Dame game. Um, let's go first, Bubs. Initial reactions uh, throughout the game, and then we'll dive in a little bit deeper. Uh, first, it was exactly what I expected it's going to be. I didn't think it was going to be a 40-point blowout like everyone did. Um, playing against a, a lot of – Notre Dame had a lot of returners on defense. They were top 10 in the preseason ranking. So I expected a little bit more from the offense, but I wasn't – it wasn't too mind-blowing for me. Uh, the defense was what really stood out. Uh, only allowing like 250 yards for the game. Nothing in the second half. 72 yards in the second half total. Um, it was a big transition from last year. Uh, they all looked a lot faster and moving the ball a lot more. Um, and yeah, I was pretty happy with the second half. Yeah. So let's, let's talk a little bit about the first half, uh, either cam or bubs, you can chime in on this. What exactly do you think went wrong throughout the course of that first half? going to be honest. I was busy burning a dance floor on fire because my feet were moving so fast. Didn't get a chance to watch a lot of the game. Every time I did go outside to watch the game, though, because it was on a projector, I was at my brother's wedding. Every time I went outside when they're on offense, it was a three and out. When they're on defense, they look decent. I mean, I didn't watch a ton of the game, but that's just what I saw. So that's all the input I have on this game. Glad the Buckeyes got the win, and I knew they weren't going to destroy them, but it was a decent win. Yeah, so, Bubs, what's your reactions? On the first half? Um, is that what you asked? Yeah. Yep. Uh, well, with Jackson getting hurt early, um, I expected a lot more running in the first half, and they didn't. Uh, a lot of guys, like Abuka stepped up a lot. He played really well. Uh, Stover caught a lot of passes. Um, I think him and Mitch Ross were the only tight ends that played. Uh, Stroud looked a little inconsistent in the first half really for like a lot of the game he only missed 10 passes he had 10 incompletions but um he didn't look i don't know i don't know how to look at the game um because really the offense in the first half was it was just slow sluggish a lot of three and outs like cam said um but i there wasn't really anything to remember you know it was a lot of three and outs there wasn't a whole lot of I wish they would have taken a lot more deep shots, but I don't think they have a guy right now that's their deep threat like a lot of it was last year. Um, and Notre Dame was playing the two high safety, so it wasn't like they were – the one time they dropped, they had uh, a wide-open touchdown to uh, Xavier Johnson or whatever his name is, so the walk-on. So they'll be all right. That was That's really it for the first half. I didn't think it was anything special, clearly. Missed field goal, but – yeah. Um, my, my view of the first half is it was defense, defense, defense from both teams. Uh, Notre Dame, I think shocked, uh, a lot of the OSU players. I mean, I, 
I didn't think the game was going to be a blowout, but my prediction going into it was that it was going to be a little bit more high scoring and that we were going to win by about 14. Uh, the defense really, really surprised me from both teams. It was less surprising knowing that knowing two things. One, that uh, JSN got hurt. And then two, we did we weren't able to play Julian Fleming. He was out for injury reasons. And then so was Cameron Babb, um, who, was, who has been injured basically his entire career at Ohio State. He's an offensive captain. He's like our, I'd say, fourth, fifth best receiving option, which, you know, wouldn't be – in a normal circumstance, a big deal, but with your first two options out, those later guys have to step up, which is why you saw, you know, Xavier Johnson, who caught a touchdown and, and, you know, he got put on scholarship later on, but he came onto the team as a walk-on. He was like a three-star recruit in high school and nothing special. Uh, So it was, it was, it was really cool to see that, but yeah, all defense in the first half in the second half, uh, was when I think the offense for Ohio State started to find its feet and they were really moving the ball down the field, and that was through the run game. Uh, the run game was absolutely phenomenal. I loved the the two-back approach uh, with uh, Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson, especially uh, Mayan Williams in that, uh, that crazy drive he had yeah. to, in the fourth quarter where he, like, he, you, he was literally just – he couldn't be stopped. He wasn't, like, wowing you with any speed or anything like that, but strength-wise, he just could not be tackled to the ground, and he just absorbed all the contact. And uh, he, he went for, I think, 84 yards and a touchdown in the game, uh, played absolutely phenomenal, and he ran for 47 yards of that 84 in that one drive. So I was super impressed by the run game in the second half. Uh, what were your guys' takeaways? I mean, Bob's, I guess, because, you know, Cam didn't really watch much of the game. I agree. <laughs> great, great, great thoughts, Cam. Uh, Bubs, what's your thoughts on the second half? Uh, same thing, really. Just impressed with the run game. Um, with Henderson being the feature back, you wouldn't expect him to feel a lot, but uh, that one drive, it was just all mine. He can't be tackled. Uh, he takes more than one guy to bring him down, especially at the line of scrimmage. Um, <clears throat> reminds me of Zeke. Uh, but same thing. And then the second half, the defense just total shut down. Um, outside of like the three big plays Notre Dame had all day, the one tip pass, the one time Burke got burnt, and then uh, the one where uh, Mike Meyer, whatever his name is, the tight end was wide open down the middle of the field. Outside of that, there was nothing. Um, so the defense, I was happy with it. I know Knowles when he was at Oklahoma State last year, he would. I think it was like. In the second half, their team held their opponent to like 7.8 points or something like that in the second half, like a different differential or something like that. It was crazy. Um, so seeing that, it was good. Didn't give up another point the rest of the game outside those first three drives, really. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, no, no scores in the second half from Notre Dame whatsoever. Um, held them to 10 points. Uh, the first drive – I think was, I mean, going back to the first half a little bit, I think that first drive was successful for the defense based on the fact that that first play was, I think, almost 70 total yards. With on the that, penalty, yeah. Yeah, with the penalty on the on the first play because uh, they hit him for like 54 or 55 uh, Lorenzo Styles uh, down the field for that first catch. And then 
after that, the defense kind of tightened up and they were like, we need to get this stop. And they got it done and held him to a field goal on the first drive. Very, the, the takeaway for the entire game is I'm extremely, extremely impressed with how the defense played. I think that they, this is one of the, although Notre Dame isn't like a stellar offense, uh, it's going to be one of the top teams and top offenses they play all year. Um, Wisconsin's going to be up there. Obviously, Michigan's going to be up there. They they play a decently tough schedule, but this is the I think the best team that they'll play all year. And I was very impressed with the results of the game. Any other thoughts from you, Bubs? No. Yeah. So moving forward with Ohio State, uh, Jackson Smith Ajigba out for two weeks. Um, hoping to have him back for that game against Wisconsin, which is going to be key. Uh, I hate for anybody to get injured, um, but it, there couldn't have been a better time for him to get injured if he was going to get injured all year, solely because the next two opponents are Arkansas State and Toledo. Uh, so he we can give him that time to heal. And if we can't beat you know those two teams, then we didn't deserve to win a national championship anyway with Jackson Smith and Jigba. In my personal opinion, so uh, great time to be uh, just recover and not have to to do a bunch and get himself ready for that Wisconsin game, which is going to be a crazy one for sure. Um, hopefully, we'll have Julian Fleming back here in the next week or so. I'd love to see him. I haven't seen him play since 2020, and I I mean I guess he played a little bit last year. It caught a couple snaps, but he's just been so plagued with injury, and I'm hoping that he can get healthy and play uh, a regular season, you know. Um, but if we have no other thoughts other than that, uh, we're going to uh, take a quick break here, and then we're going to go straight into something that hopefully Cam can actually talk on. And uh, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers trading for Donovan Mitchell, so stay tuned. with it so the next topic we're going to be talking about is the cleveland cavaliers absolute blockbuster trade i think that came out of left field even for me as a Cavs fan uh so the Cavs traded for donovan mitchell they gave up uh colin sexton in a sign and trade uh utah's keeping him on a four-year 72 million dollar contract um they gave up also with him lowry markinen uh, the, their 2022 first round draft pick, uh, in Ochai Abaji. And then they also traded away three first round picks and then two pick swaps. So quite a haul, um, bubs, what's your initial reaction to the trade? Uh, I like it personally. I don't concept. I never think, I never thought Colin Sexton and Garland was going to work out well for the Cavs, and whenever this stuff got brought up, I was just hoping they didn't get rid of Levert. So I'm happy they kept their core guys. They got rid of Sexton and Markkinen, and Oche, who's a question mark. You don't know what he's going to be. They kept out Isaac Okoro. Um, so they still, they're still they super deep. Um, so I like it. You get an all-star, a superstar, really. Um, and then Darius Garland's turning into one, and you have Mobley, who's turning into one. He's a rookie or going to be a second year guy. So, um, personally, I like it. I think it leaves him up a couple, 
couple spots ahead of other teams in the East um, for this upcoming year. I don't know how long it'll take them to be contenders, but uh, I like it. And Utah, I think it's good for Utah too because they just got a lot younger, a lot more draft picks, a lot deeper, and they turned uh, Mitchell and Gobert into like seven players and like 15 draft picks within the next couple years. So I think it worked out really well for both teams. Yeah. Uh, Cam, uh, now that you can actually talk on a topic, uh, let's hear it from you. I have a couple thoughts. Um, first one has got to suck to be a, a Knicks fan Absolutely. because this whole time you thought that Donovan for the past three years, you thought Donovan Mitchell was going to be a Nick. Like he was destined to be a New York Nick. And then it's they are, they're in talks, the trade's going to happen. And then you get an ESPN notification and he's a calf, which is crazy Boom. for the Cavs. I'm a LeBron fan, so I was only a Cavs fan when LeBron was there. But it sucks losing Uchi Ibachi or whatever his name is. Um, <laughs> That's got to be disrespectful. He was – he helped out big time last year, but he I was, do he, – he was, he's, yeah, he was in college last year. Um, I was just repeating what my friend said. So it does suck losing him. Um, um, Sexton, kind of what Bub said, it, he and Garland weren't really going to work out. Um, but Uchi Bucci's going to do great in Utah. And I think this is for real. Lori Marketing was destined to play in Utah. He couldn't play in any other state besides Utah. If you've seen Lori Marketing, he does look like he Utah does Jazz. look like he should be on the Utah Jazz. <laughs> yeah. a, a big man three point shooter. And a big I, white three point shooter. Yes. He, uh, <laughs> Joe Ingles. Yes. Uh, Boban. So I think he's yeah. finally home. Um, he's going to be rookie of the year even though he's been in the league for a long time. This is just the first time he's actually going to play well. <laughs> and uh, He played well for Cleveland last year. I think you made a big mistake having me on this podcast. <laughs> well, Jimmy, you're that, I guess that's something that we can agree on. So uh, we've got another guest on the podcast uh, that has joined us for this topic, Mr. James Salamone Jr., uh, basketball extraordinaire. So... So, uh, Jimmy, what's your thoughts on it? Uh, I think for the for the Jazz, I actually think they got the short end of the stick because the Jazz were supposed to be getting R.J. Barrett, um, other guys from the Knicks, bunch of picks, um, and that fell through, and they end up getting Markinen and Sexton and some picks. But I think what the potential trade that they had with the Knicks uh, would have been a lot more beneficial to the Jazz originally. Um and then for the Cavs, I think the Cavs get a lot better, but I think they still lack a true three or a four. Um, somebody that can defend at a high level, I still don't think they have. I think Levert's a good piece, but to be a, they, they're good enough to be a top four, top five seed in the Eastern Conference, but I still don't think they're good enough to uh, beat Milwaukee or Brooklyn or Miami, even Boston, really. I think they can, but I think they're going to need – either a lot of help or somebody like a Coro is going to have to step up big time. I don't disagree with you. Um, I think that a needs to have a really good year for them to um, think about a finals appearance. Um, just because like you said, the three spot for us has been, I mean, it was an issue last year and it's going to be an issue again this year. However, you just got, Tons better. So looking at the trade for me personally, 
I don't think either team got fleeced. Uh, I do agree with you in saying that the the Knicks probably had a better package. And if I'm the Knicks, I'm just so down bad right now. I, I, your your best off season acquisition was Jalen Brunson, and nothing against Jalen Brunson, but like you signed him to a four year, hundred something million dollar deal. You know, it's 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 not looking good if you're a New York Knicks fan. Uh, so sorry for you, but. I think that we gave up just enough, and I think that Utah got some really solid stuff back. I love the fact that Darius Garland does not have to be like a scoring guard. His passing is a phenomenal part of his game, and I think that he could average probably 18 and 8, 19 and 9, something like that this year, just because he's going to be now passing the ball instead of passing it to um oh my goodness who played the 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 two for them last year was it was it Levert at the end of the year or oh my goodness I'm blanking out at the end of the year their lineup was Garland Levert a little bit when he wasn't hurt um yeah uh Mobley Okoro a little bit Markin a little bit Osmond a little bit Jared Allen okay yeah, so I, I was thinking correctly. So Okoro played a little bit of the two. Um, uh, Levert played a little bit of the two when he wasn't hurt. You know, bars, of course, from Bucks Morrison. <laughs> but um, I I think that now instead of having that guy, like that guard tandem that you have now, he's just going to be, instead of passing the ball to uh, Karis Levert, which, you know, He's obviously Karis LeVert still on the team, and he's he's going to play a very valuable role. Now you're passing it to a multi-time All Star, um, who is going into his prime, and he's one of the, uh, if not, I think he's top three shooting guard in the league. I mean, if we look at it, I don't know if you guys disagree with me. I disagree. Who? Name me three guards better than I don't. I don't even think three shooting he, he, guards. Here's the thing about him. I don't. I don't think. I think he comes into Cleveland averages probably like twenty two and four. I don't think he's coming into Cleveland averaging twenty eight and and seven. I don't think he. I don't disagree. With I don't. You. I don't even think. I don't think he's a much better player than Zach Levine. Quite honestly, I think they're pretty comparable comparable players. Like, I don't think he's going to come out and Levine's a great player. Levine's going to give you. 22 and 6, 23 and 4. I think that's what Mitchell does. I don't think he brings a lot of passing to the table. Uh, he's a scoring threat. I don't think he's an elite defender. He's good. He's athletic, but I don't I don't think a top 3 like I'd probably compare I think he's like Anthony Edwards. I don't think Edwards is younger. Um Mitchell's more experienced, but I don't think I don't think Mitchell's as he's a top what? 15 player 20 player yeah like I, I don't think it's like they added a top 10 guy that immediately boosts them right away you know what i'm saying i think it does immediately boost them right away but i i i agree with you to an extent i don't think it's anything crazy uh, i don't think he's going to come in here and, and you know put up mvp numbers mm-hmm. but i do think he's going to come in here and make a very big difference in in this team i mean if you're trading away three first-round picks, three 
very, I mean, not very good, three very solid players. And then you're, you're doing a couple pick swaps. You know, it's, it's like you're expecting to bring back a player that can really, really give you something. Um, Bubs, so, what's your uh, I'm kind of siding with Jimmy a little bit here on the whole. He's elite, but I think a more a better comparison for me, he's not as good of a score as this person, but it's the I, – I think he's more of a Bradley Beal kind of guy. Mm-hmm. You know what you're going to get from him every night. It's not going to be, like he said, 28 and 7. It, it might be 28. But it might be twenty-eight and two. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's a guy that you throw on any team in the NBA outside of a few. Outside of a, I don't think he's a guy you throw on the young teams that automatically makes them contenders based on his play and day and night. But I think he is an upgrade from what they've had. I think he's a top ten shooting guard, maybe top eight shooting guard. I don't think he's top three. It's kind of wild. I, I think he's a top three shooting guard. I mean, I don't who who's better than him? Based off last year, who played that position? Devin De- Booker. Devin Booker. Jalen Brown. Okay. Zach Levine. I'm taking Bradley Beal. I'm not taking Numbers Bradley Beal. Wise, I'm I, Bradley Beal. I think Bradley Beal is just empty stats. Um That's kind of what I feel like Mitchell is. The only thing no, I think the only thing that boosts Mitchell ahead of Beal is he's They've been the one seed in the West before. They've been uh, the one, two, or three seed in the West. They've mm-hmm. they've made runs. The year they played the Nuggets in the uh, se- seven games sem- in the semifinals, that was like yeah. the best playoff series I've seen in a long ass time. Yeah. Sorry, long time. Um, you like him better than McCollum? No, I think McCollum. I, I think McCollum's a better defender. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Well, McCollum's I better. McCollum's I feel like better. that's a hot take. They're they're comparable, but McCollum's better. I think the thing with Mitchell is I think he's got a. I don't agree with that at all, and I think there's a lot of people in the world that would disagree with both of you. But McCollum, what, what does what does Mitchell really do better than McCollum? He's not a better scorer. He might be a better athlete, and he might be. I, McCollum's a solid defender. He might be a, maybe a little bit better defender than McCollum, but outside McCollum's a better scorer, better better averages. He might not score as many, but he's a, his uh, percentages are way better. You've stuck McCollum on how many teams and immediately he's made him better. To me, it's just like a <clears> yeah. I don't know if it's like okay. So McCollum, I don't think it's this wide, far difference between but, the two. I think they're right there. But personally, I think adding McCollum to the Cavs would boost them higher than adding Mitchell to the Cavs would. I really like McCollum, so don't get it twisted because yeah, you know, he's uh he he graduated from uh Canton Glen Oak High School, which is you know, 25 minutes from where I, I grew up from. And uh, he's, you know, he's a Northeast Ohio guy. He, so uh, I, obviously he would be really cool to have on the Cavs, but you know, I, Don, I think Donovan Mitchell is the, is the clear better player, but I guess that's well, just me. Here's what I think. I also think Mitchell, like the stuff we see about Mitchell, like his dunks, he's a highlight real guy. McCollum's a, Old school plays in the mid range, you know, one or two dribble shots up. You know, uh, Mitchell's a more flashy guy. Like Mitchell has better eyes to be a all star or to be this and that because I think of how he plays. I think the game's totally changed. I think people look at that type. John Morant 
look at how what he does, like how he plays. I think people look at guys like that, and I think that's how Mitchell plays. You know, I mean, Josh more athletic, but Mitchell's above the rim. He can shoot the three, but I think McCollum's more of a – McCollum, you know what you're going to get, and it's going to be consistently good, good, good. I think Mitchell kind of – I think sometimes he's an empty stat, I think. My thing is with it all is last year Mitchell averaged, what, 29 points a game, like 29, 4, and 4, something mm-hmm. like that. With a Jazz team who, outside of Rudy, I don't really know who else – who you're going to call on their team that's very good. Joe Ingles until he tore his ACL. That was last year, right? Or is that in the summer? That, I don't think he played at all this season. Yeah, so like – and then I think he got traded. He might I have. think he's on the Blazers now. I don't know. But what I'm saying is, to me, could Donovan Mitchell be considered a top three guy? Sure. I'm not going to argue with it about it. Me personally, I just think for the Cavs – if you're comparing the two, I would rather have CJ than Donovan. I think he's just – I think he's ball dominant. I don't think he – I guess we'll see, especially with Ricky Rubio being on the team too. Them two have played together in the past on the Jazz. And last year when Rubio, Rubio was playing, the Cavs were insane. Yeah. So, I think yes. we'll see what happens. I think it's – I still think it's great for the team. I think it makes him a lot better. Um, he is a superstar. He's elite. Um but, yeah. I think that, that uh, Darius Garland is just such a phenomenal passer, and I think that it takes pressure off him. So I think that Darius Garland is going to have a phenomenal year. I think that maybe Mitchell takes a little bit of a step back just because of the kind of talent that he's around. But I, I think that, that Garland may take a step back in the scoring department but I think overall the offense is going to work much better because you're plugging Donovan Mitchell in there. Um, I I like I, I what you said about CJ being better for the Cavs. I I think that if you're in a win now situation, like oh you're going for the finals this year, I could see that that argument. Uh, but how would a CJ McCollum? What probably can't be that much older than Mitchell. I promise you, he is. He's he's gonna be he's going. I call him thirty. Thirty. John Mitchell's twenty-five. Okay, well, I'm I'm looking at long in a longer timeline, hoping that that Donovan Mitchell stays with the Cavs, and I mean because I think he's Donovan Mitchell turns twenty-six in two days. Okay, I, I I just think that because he's younger, I I like the the potential to get better than C.J. McCollum over what C.J. McCollum gives me so, now. So now my question to that is: say so you take Donovan Mitchell now for what could be in the future, right? Yes. But right now, the East is so stacked with young teams that are already pro- outside of the Nets. Every team in the East is pretty young. The Celtics, young and elite. The Bucks, young and elite. The Heat have vets on their team, but a lot of their guys are young. Bam, Tyler Hero, all those guys, young and elite. The Nets are old. The Raptors are young. Mm-hmm. Um, who am I missing? The Cavs are young, but outside of them, I mean, 
for me personally, I think it is a – the Cavs are looking at a win now, and that's it. Because if you're – take this team and all the other teams in the East and throw them eight years into the future, uh, they're still not out of – they're in that four or five seat still based on talent. Because if you're base, if you're taking right now and throwing it in eight years in the future, the Celtics are still number one or the Bucks are still number one. They're not going anywhere if they keep their teams together. The Heat might – Fall off a little bit. I, I think, think the Bucks will, it, depending on how they draft, I think they'll fall off a little bit. Uh, and that's obviously Giannis Antetokounmpo, for me, is the best player in the league. But, of course, mm. Middleton's getting older as mm. well. You like that, huh? All right, first off, best we, player we, in the we, league. Yes. I'm not going to get into that we, talk, we, but, we, he, but he's not at Steph. But second off, um, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Mitchell's, like, some, some bum. Like, I, I think – I'm high on Mitchell to the point where I think if the Cavs added a guy like, um, shoot, like a guy kind of like a Draymond Green, but not Draymond, somebody with that effect, maybe like a like a PJ Washington, you know, somebody who get gets you eleven six and five and a little a better three than a, a Coro, I think I think they are a contender immediately. I think they are someone that could defend it, attempt to defend a Giannis or something like that. But I agree with Bubs on the point of the age factor. I don't think you – I don't the, – the Cavs are going to be a four seed until Giannis is gone, until Katie and Kyrie are split, until the Celtics are gone. But if they add – like a, uh, Bridges from the Suns. If they add Bridges from the Suns, Cavs, I think, are in the finals. I forgot. There's one other team that I think proved last year they were better and only got better is Atlanta. They added another elite guard in DeJounte. Okay. Adding him with Trey Young takes a lot of pressure off him. Now Trey doesn't have to guard the other team's point guard. Trey got exposed last year in the playoffs against Darius, but he, he Trey played awful last year mm-hmm. against the Cavs. But adding DeJounte, they get a lot younger. They didn't get rid of uh, whatever his John Collins. John Collins. You yeah. still have him. They're st- they're really young. They added somebody too, a real good shooter. Um, I can't remember. So I think, I think right now the Cavs are. In, I think the trade's great. I think it helps them a lot, and I think it's better for them that they did it now instead of in a couple years. I'm happy they went out and got an elite guy. Hopefully they can re-sign him um, while they still can keep him, Garland, and Mobley together. I think that's a good big three. But I don't know how. I don't know what their ceiling is. I think their ceiling's conference semis for this upcoming year, maybe. Um, If they stay healthy and they play as good as they did last year, I'd say. Um, Because I still – I think this year – and we're thinking – I mean, there's so many teams in the East, dude. Celtics, Sixers, Bucks, Nets. East is very deep, yes. I mean, the Heat, that's five teams right there that have proven – James Harden, we forgot. James Harden's going to be comeback player of the year. He's going to – I'm telling you right now, James Harden's going to play out of his mind. I I'm disagree, but that's I'm a topic right for another time. I'm calling you right now. James Harden is the dark horse for MVP. I'm calling it. He had such bad year last year. I don't know he got about traded MVP. He got traded mid-year. I'm telling you. Watch. There, there are a couple things that I do like, uh, just quickly, because I don't want to spend too much time on this, on, on James Harden and – the main one is the fact that he has, is known as this really selfish player 
and took a pay cut with the Sixers so that they could surround him with more talent. I absolutely love that. So just I, w- I wanted to say that very quickly, but Jimmy, what do you got? Real quick, I said Bridges from the Suns as a guy the Cavs could get. I don't even think – he wanted a max, so it's yeah. actually probably not somebody like that. I would say somebody like, like a Gallinari – would be a perfect fit for the Cavs right now. I think I th- he did, yeah. But he would he would be a guy, somebody in that range, that I think takes the Cavs from conference semis to PJ Tucker. Yeah, to could knock off Giannis. I think they're like a vet, a three four vet away. Um, but because you like you guys said, the league's so young, they got to add a vet who adds winning, like an Iguodala. Even though he, I mean, not he might not play enough right now but right now they got kevin love yeah but somebody like pj tucker because he can still play um i think they immediately go to a conference finals this year uh, but i still think they're one piece away but mitchell takes them from a playing maybe a six c seven c do i think they'll be i think because how they play the cast play the regular season i think they could be the three seed because you know katie and kyrie are gonna mm-hmm. rest kyrie's gonna be preaching whatever um, <laughs> the Celtics are gonna are gonna rest. Tatum's not playing all eighty two games, whatever it is. Um, I think they could be a top three seed. But yeah, I I like it. And and so I pulled up a, a sort of a list of small forwards that I would like to to have on Cleveland. If since we were on the topic, LeBron. Uh, oh, uh, very obviously. Uh, if not this a team, chance. If this, yeah, I don't I don't think there is because especially since he just got the. Uh, uh, he just signed a two-year extension with with LA, uh, so it's going to be a while before he's you know available. That's for uh, I agree. I think that he's going to finish out that, go wherever Bronny goes, and then retire. Uh, but I like um, just some options here. I like Dylan Brooks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Gordon Hayward. Um, the problem with this is though is now you're you're trying to add another piece to a team that's already young deep and are going to be having a lot of contracts coming up garland's going to need a max and if you want to keep mobley he's going to need a max and you're going to be paying donovan mitchell so you're looking at three guys right there that are going to be taking a lot of money so going and adding a dylan brooks who's 25 years old that ain't going to happen okay. no one's paying gordon hayward the money that's why it's got to be someone. so it's got to be someone like he's money. like tucker uh, like Carmelo. Carmelo is a great example. Josh Hart. He's. I don't think he has the effect that a PJ Tucker has. He's a two, okay. or, you know. Um, I'm looking. I'm I think looking. A, I think Melo would be a great person. He scores. He's a vet. He's not gonna. He's not. Gonna, he's probably gonna take the league minimum. He's he only gonna. To he's only gonna play for a team that's gonna be able to win. Has he gotten a contract yet? No, he's still a free agent. There's a bunch of teams. The Celtics are looking at him heavy. He'll sign somewhere, but yeah, that would be a nice pickup. Adding, it'd be a per, a perfect role. It'd be yeah, sure, adding someone a young three that's really good. Yeah, but you're not getting Dylan Brooks with the roster you have now. Yeah. Karis, you have Karis, like that's not happening. You got it, or you're trading the bag, or you're trading someone off the bench that you, you or role player you wouldn't want to. You have your center in Jared Allen. You got yeah. Mobley. Mm-hmm. You got Lavert Mitchell and. Garland, I think that's a solid five. If you start Levert or you start Akuro, you got Love off the bench. You got Chetty, Ricky off the bench, you know. So, I think they'll be solid. I think I do agree. I like the P.J. Tucker. I think they're a vet away. P.J. Tucker just went and signed with the Sixers, right? 
Yes. Yeah. So like they're vet away. I think they are a, a, a mature, solid vet away that can a three and D vet. Mm-hmm. So maybe Mel is not the best. Even but, like a Danny Green. I was. Gosh, you literally just beat me by a couple Danny seconds. Danny Green to would it, probably I be. Swear. He yeah. would be the one that I think because he would be the one I think they go from a six seed to a two or a three could compete with the Bucks, could compete with the Nets. I don't. I don't know if. Some of the guys we've named, like a Gallinari, if he has the effect, he can score. But I don't think he has the defensive promise that Green has. Um, and Green can Jay Crowder. Great, yeah. Free agent, Jay Crowder. Um, I'm just looking up. Free agents? Yeah. Um, I think those two guys are probably the top two you would find that you could get without losing somebody you got to add. I think I think if, if – and something that I mentioned earlier – uh, to wrap up the talking about the Cavs, the the either adding or the or having Okoro take a big step this year. I think if Okoro takes a big step, then I think that you might be able to have a team that can that can do something and I make agree. some noise. Because if he literally just like lurk, like got a slightly better shot it would be mean the world of difference because he's just an offensive liability when he's on the court. He's phenomenal on the defensive side of the ball. He is a liability on the offense. But I side. guess I could also – it might hide it a little bit now having Mitchell to where you take – he doesn't – he can be just a, a perimeter defender guy because um, now you have Mitchell and Garland who can score the ball instead of just kind of forcing it to Garland. Um, so I think that does help a little bit, adding Mitchell to the mix. So now it takes even more of the offensive game off his shoulders, but still, yeah, for them to be successful, they need a, they need him to either step up or someone else to step up big. Yeah, I agree. Any other closing closing yeah. thoughts from you, Jimmy? Real quick, I think the only other thing was um, we said Garland scoring might go down or something along those lines, but I think adding, um, I think adding. Mitchell, if Garland goes from 17 shot attempts a game to 12, I think his points per game goes up. I do. I don't think he's shooting as many contested jumpers, and I think it's the same with Mitchell. I looked it up. Mitchell was 25 a game last year, 25, 5, and 4, on close to 20 attempts, right? 15 15 attempts-ish. If he shoots 15 times now, doesn't have to shoot anymore, Garland goes from, let's say he shot 13 a game to – nine i think garland's points per game goes up i think mitchell's points per game goes up might mean lavert goes from what he averaged 15 16 yeah. fit from 15 to, to 11 11 yeah or 10 like it um but then you also got to think markinen's points got to be filled at the end of the year markinen was getting i mean that playoff game against the hawks uh he came out and scored the first couple buckets hit a couple threes had a yeah. dunk um missing him is going to be tough for his sure. points are going to have to be filled and Sexton was a ball dominant guy, but I think he was a ball dominant guy that wasn't willing to pass. He uh, wasn't willing, wasn't willing to, to lose attempts yeah. for efficiency. Yes. He wanted attempts on attempts. Garland will lose attempts for efficiency. You know, Mitchell, if you tell Mitchell you're going to shoot 18 instead of 20 and your efficiency is going up 5%, I think that changes it. So that's my thought. I think they'll play really good together if they can – you might have to figure out a lineup like how Lakers did with Braun and Westbrook to get some separate and Mello to get some separation off. Let 
Garland play 10 minutes by himself, Mitchell play 10 and then together. But I think I think they've got to get enough staff. They'll be both those guys numbers will go up. I don't think they go down at all. Yeah. All right. So that's just closing up our talks on the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, thank you guys for listening into this one. Uh, appreciate the audience. And then we're going to be filming uh, a couple other podcasts. So stay tuned. We're going to have a lot of stuff for you guys this week. And uh, thanks for hanging in with us.